Welcome to Vulnerability Hangover, a show where the only goal is authentic connection through vulnerable discussion. The rules? It's safe to be open, honesty is required, and kindness rules the conversation. The suggestions? Listen well, feel fully, and try to have some fun. Now introducing your host, Anthony Rita. Cool, cool, cool. Welcome. Today's episode features a conversation with Tina Lugo. Incredibly talented and incredibly good. Just a good person. It's a lot of interesting insights. We talk about the amount of effort and time and work that goes into art and anything creative. We talk about the accessibility of art, whether that be purchasability or affordability or even just the safety to participate we talk about trauma and art as a healing practice or as a healing tool and then we talk about boundaries boundaries in the art world in the business world in just your life generally and how they are good and how we should have them so sit back enjoy i learned a lot in this conversation i hope that you learn a lot in this conversation. I hope you can take something with you. Now, a conversation with Tina Lugo. My guest today is the incredibly talented Tina Lugo. Thank you so much for joining me. How are you? Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, I'm doing really well. Thanks for asking. Yeah, of course. Of course. Thank you for taking some time. I will dive in, as I always do, with the better version of the worst question. And so, Tina, why do you do what you do? Oh, man. It, it really is a good question. Um, I mean, tattooing has brought me so much joy. Um, and just the, the way that I've been able to help people uh, and reach people through it has really been uh, life-changing for me. Um, I mean, I, I've done art pretty much my whole life and was a professional illustrator and painter for a long time. Um, and finding ways to kind of become more accessible for people um, was really important to me, especially in terms of like, you know, the the art industry and how it runs. Um, you kind of reach this tier at a certain point. And I was getting to that point where you are being reached out by more high profile galleries and it starts to sort of lose the focus of who you're making that art for. Um, And then I just started realizing, well, you know, like who, who is this for? Like, this isn't for the people that got me here. This isn't for, you know, the fans that I have, like, (laughs) you know, these kids can't afford, you know, $10,000 paintings. So it, it really threw me out of that. And when I started getting to tattooing, it just felt really amazing and another way to engage with uh, a lot of the people who love my work and a way to give back in that way. That's really cool. And you sort of touched on that in your answer, but what was the path that got you maybe from more of the quote unquote traditional art scene into uh, tattooing? Yeah, I mean, I I had always loved tattooing. Um, I've been getting tattooed since I was 18. (laughs) So for almost 14 years now Um, and, and just, Uh, yeah, there was something kind of magical about it. Um, Just seeing how, how this art form kind of came to be. And I I had a lot of friends who were, were in 
the tattoo world and it just kind of eventually crossed over where you know just started meeting a lot of the same people getting tattooed constantly and um yeah the opportunity sprung up and i decided to take it wonderful and a semi big reveal what do you do Dun, dun, dun. Oh my God. Um, I'm a tattooer. Um, yeah, I've been tattooing for almost the past five years now. Um, and I love it. There's nothing else I've wanted to do more, I think. <laughs> you are incredibly talented, but also incredibly holistic, I feel like, in, in your approach to tattooing. Oh, and thank you. You're welcome. And we're going to get a little more into it in, in the tail end of the conversation, but the idea of using tattooing as, as, a, as a point of healing almost. Mm-hmm. And I know that most of the process to become a tattooer starts with an apprenticeship. Can you maybe touch on your experience with apprenticeship and what you believe an ideal apprenticeship should be? Yeah, for sure. Um, apprenticeships, man, definitely not an easy thing to get. Um, although, you know, considering the type of work that this is, I also don't believe that it should be easy. Um, and that, that can be controversial for a lot of people because right now we're seeing um, a huge DIY scene of tattooing. A lot of people want to get into it, but I also don't feel that people want to get into it necessarily for the right reasons. Um, a lot of the reasons you see younger tattooers getting into it is, you know, for financial means, but I mean, there's so much um, that goes into tattooing and it's such a huge responsibility factor. Uh, I did get lucky enough to get an apprenticeship. Um, I was approached by, um, you know, a a friend who was also really into my work and knew that I, I worked really hard as an artist for a long time. And he was just like, you know, I think your stuff could really translate well if this is something that you're interested in. Um, I would love to take you on as an apprentice, but just know that this is going to be work. Like, I'm not going to treat you any differently because, you know, you're a hot shot <laughs> in the art world or like whatever. He's like, this is this is serious work. Like, you're, you're going to have to put in the time and the effort. And um and yeah, I, I, I did. And so uh, my apprenticeship, basically, it was three years. Um, it was not paid, but I did get tipped out. Um, I worked in the shop. Like that's usually uh, where a lot of people start working in the shop, cleaning the shop, learning how the shop runs, um, picking up clientele skills. And you're just watching. You're watching how everyone is interacting, uh, interacting with clients. You're watching how things are set up. Um, he had me study the history of tattoos. He had me study all sorts of types of tattooing, even if it was something I didn't want to do, like American traditional is not my strong suit, <laughs> but I love it, but it's, it's not my thing. But he's like, you're going to have to learn it. You're going to have to learn it, even if you don't like it, because it's the same way with art, it's uh, foundations. So you're building foundations um, and they're the bedrock of what you do. So, you know, even if you don't like American traditional, even if you don't like, um, you know, tribal or any of that, you're pulling from those because that's where you get your your core basics from that's going to uh, push your skill set, essentially. Um, so it was three years of learning. And um, after that, I was able to uh, get my license and, and tattoo under him. And there's sort of like this um, like unwritten rule kind of deal. You know, you work in the shop that you were apprenticed in for a little while before you move on. And uh, 
you know, a good apprenticeship anyway is, is one that you, you have a really good bond with your mentor. Um, it shouldn't by any means be coercive. It shouldn't by any means be, um, you know, harassing or, you know, I didn't experience any sort of hazing, which can be common, um, unfortunately, in this kind of industry, just because of these old school tattooers, you know, uh, who want to keep people out. And I think a lot of that is changing and it's not as common as it was. Um, But you also have tattooers who are still very protective of the craft. And I think that have also been burned by apprentices who, you know, aren't putting in the work, aren't, um, aren't showing up, you know, and um, even my mentor, he was like, you know, you're probably going to be one of the last people I apprentice because I've, I've tried to take on apprentices before and, you know, they didn't want to work in the shop. They didn't want to pick up a mop. They didn't want to, you know, do the work, the things that I still have to do every day aside from tattooing. And um, tattooing is a lot of work. I think, uh, I think also a lot of people think it's like, oh yeah, you're just hanging out in a shop, doing tattoos, making money. Um, (laughs) And that's not, (laughs) that's not it. You know, like, yeah, you do make money, but luckily, like I already had a pretty strong um, portfolio and a following. So I was able to kind of cultivate that. Um, But if you don't really have a presence, if you're not a good artist, um, if you're not putting yourself out there, it's a struggle. It's a struggle to make money as a tattooer. Um, and you know, a lot of young kids just don't, don't do well, um, you know, their first few years and it's, it's so much work. It's a lot of emailing, client telling, uh, drawing even afterwards, you know, like I work at least 60 hours a week, um, just not even in the shop. So it's, it's a lot of work that I think people don't realize goes into it and not even taking away the emotional toll of like dealing with people uh, for, you know, eight to 10 hours a day. I can hardly imagine, frankly. <laughs> and that's something that I've enjoyed seeing a lot of sort of the, the relationship that you as a tattooer try to cultivate with clients. And one, speaking to the fact that it is a two-way road, that all tattooers are people too. And be respectful and be understanding of the time and effort that goes into the art. And at the same time, I noticed you are particularly explicit about wanting to create a a safe environment for any clients. And that is both physically and psychologically. Um, And especially you're, you're explicit in saying, I want it to be a safe space for the LGBTQ plus community and also the BIPOC community. Absolutely. Is there, yeah. Is, is there, Anything that made you really want to be explicit about that particularly? Uh, Mainly because um, the tattoo industry itself is such a white boy (laughs) kind of owned uh, craft. Like it's mostly dominated by cis white men and that kind of environment can be really difficult um emotionally and physically um not only for women but in any sort of like BIPOC person um it could be really uncomfortable and you know one thing that we're seeing changing a lot right now which is amazing um 
especially just not like on online forums, but people actually putting in the work is changing a lot of the racist imagery and tattooing, changing how we talk about people who have darker skin complexions. Um, you know, all these things that a lot of white tattooers are just like, yeah, can't be done, not gonna do it. You know, we'll shut things down. Um, and now we're finally kind of coming around and having those conversations. Um, so these are things that were really important to me, especially, um, you know, as a Puerto Rican, as a, as a female, as a gay artist, um, coming into this environment, knowing that um, it was really hard for many people to get that door open, and that I was lucky that I had someone open it for me. But that's not the case for anybody you know, in the same shoots, um, who were the same shoots as me. So it's, it was really important to provide that space. Um, and I've had clients that were like, I'm, you know, I'm so happy to find you. It's been really hard to find like a gay tattooer or, you know, someone who identifies with the LGBTQ, someone who, you know, identifies in, in, in the trans community, someone who is, you know, a BIPOC, like this is, this is great. And I think that, really just kind of opens up the floor for those clients to feel more comfortable um, to get a tattoo. Uh, Cause it could be, you know, nerve wracking coming into a tattoo shop. Yes. <laughs> and I mean, nowadays, you know, thanks to, you know, the internet, uh, it's so much easier to sort of research uh, tattooers before you kind of get a tattoo. Um, but it's, it's still difficult to kind of get a lay of the land for the artist. Um, and, you know, I mean, back in the day, you just had to walk into a shop and that's really terrifying. And it was just all a bunch of white guys. And you're just like, <laughs> oh, hey, <laughs> you know, you right. don't know what you're going to get and you don't really know someone's personality. So I think for me, um, is it was really important to not just show that, but, you know, give people a taste of who I am as well online so that it doesn't feel as scary. Yeah. Have you found that maybe social media particularly has been incredibly helpful in, in putting stuff out there? Oh yeah. I think it's been incredibly helpful and it's helped me connect to so many people um, all over the world. You know, without it, I, I don't think I'd ever be able to travel and work, which is awesome. It's a, it's a great perk of the job. Um, you know, being able to go stateside or um, internationally um, and meeting so many artists that way and connecting and then meeting really cool clients and um, a lot of our repeat clients, which is also amazing. So it's a really good feeling. I have seen some of these statements or, or ideas on your Instagram. Um, and the first one being that if as a tattooer, you cannot tattoo dark skin, mm -hmm. you probably shouldn't be a tattooer. I mean, I, I think it's it's so important, um, especially when you look at the, the history of tattooing. Um, where it all stems from tattooing comes from black and brown communities um it comes from this very ancient art so it's pretty offensive to come out and say you know and there have been artists who, who have said it like oh yeah just it's impossible to tattoo black skin or you know oh it's impossible to get this this color or i'm sorry it's just impossible to uh to work on your skin tone and it's just not true it's, it's a lack of training. It's, um, I mean, it's also, I think, a problem with social media. It's, uh, social media is kind of a double-edged sword that way. It can very much help elevate uh, your work, but at the same time, uh, pushes it to be marketable. And that sort of marketability is constantly 
uh, you know, given towards a more white, fair complexion, um, a more light skin client. Uh, and that is where a lot of that is marketed. And you can see that even with like these sort of like likes and the things that come in your stories, especially when you start following more tattooers, it's just all the same types of people, all the same types of skin tone. Um, and these are the things that are just like, you know, blowing up and are super trendy and cute and great, but you don't see that same excitement um, for black skin. You don't see that same engagement for darker skin tones. So yeah, if you are purposely kind of pushing out a whole group or demographic of people, um, you shouldn't be a tattooer, you know? Tattooing is for everyone. It's not just for a particular group. That is, that is beautiful and true. I know that you offer cover-up tattoos for scarring, whether that be self-harm or uh, gender transition, gender affirmation surgery. Would you be willing to talk a little bit about what made you want to, to offer that? And, and I believe sometimes at, at a discount. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this was something that I, I encountered pretty early um, in my career and, and I haven't been tattooing that long. Um, I'm still a greenhorn by many means for five years, you know, it's still pretty young, but um, within probably like my first year, even I, um, I encountered some, some people who were visiting Portland um, and they like came to the shop and um, it was a, a group of trans youth and they were just talking about how they felt really uncomfortable in some of the shops that they were going to, um, which was also really surprising because I was living in Portland at the time. Portland's supposed to be like gay haven. Um, but yeah, they still experienced uh, racism. They still experienced sexism. Um, they experienced transphobia and um, they didn't feel comfortable. And it was just really surprising and shocking to me that they also were met with uh like a rebuff when they asked if some of their self-harm scars could be covered and that no one would do them. And so I, you know, at that point, like I was really, really new. So I, I asked my mentor, I was like, hey, um, is there something I should know about this? Like, why aren't uh people tattooing over, you know, self-harm scars or scarring in general? Like, is this like a big no-no? And he was like, no, it's it's really just sometimes people um don't want to or don't know how. And that started becoming something that I kept finding. I, I talked to other artists about it. Some people flat out were like, oh, you know, it's just uh, my work doesn't look good on scarred skin. And the vanity in that was <laughs> mind blowing because you have people that are, are putting their art above the client. And yeah, you know, it's, I get it. You want a nice piece of work, but the end result shouldn't be how Instagrammable it is. It should be about the person. So if this person, you know, has suffered because they, you know, have self-harm scars on their legs and they can't wear shorts or, you know, it's uh, affecting their work. I, I had a client, she had um, pretty severe scarring on her arms and her boss told her that she was not allowed to wear short t-shirts um, because it made customers in the store uncomfortable oh and so she had to get it tattooed yeah and so it's like if you, you have people coming to you with these kind of issues um or they feel self-conscious about it and you're just telling them flat out like mm, yeah no i'm not going to do that because it won't look good on you or you know it's a like some kind of bs reason it's just uh yeah i was like wow the fact that there is not really a lot of information out there 
about it or for people who want that, um, or that you just don't really see it being done on more of a wider scale, uh, really pushed me to want to offer this. Um, and yeah, for, for a while and, you know, whenever I can, I try to offer it at discounted rates. Um, so I usually do it at like half my, uh, hourly rate just to help people along because it's, um, you know, it's just a service. It's not something that I'm, I'm trying to make money off of. It's just something that I want to provide for people who, who really need it. Absolutely. Incredibly noble. And also a great transition, a great segue into my next question. You were approached to contribute to a book called, I believe this could be magic that has to do with tattooing and trauma and the idea of a tattooer being a healer. And I am incredibly intrigued by this idea. Yes, absolutely. Um, so this book, um, which was written by an amazing, amazing artist, um, Tamara, uh, sent by Bunnies, um, she uh, approached me and several other tattooers to kind of like talk about this because it is a really um, big thing in tattooing and uh, really how we not only are treating our clients, which is a very important thing to keep in mind, but also how our experiences and when dealing with trauma, because some you know clients do have a lot of trauma and uh, sometimes I feel like a therapist <laughs> when I'm working with people, you know, it's just, it's something about it. It's very transformative for people. And there, there has to be, um, I don't want to really say a wall, but you, you kind of have to have enough of, uh, an emotional, uh, sensibility and sensitivity, uh, to tattooing, um, when you're tattooing clients and also how to know when not to take so much of that on because it has been really difficult uh, and sort of managing that. Like I've, I've had some pretty intense situations where, you know, I've tattooed people with the significant scarring and, you know, they tell me how they got it. You know, sometimes it was an abusive ex or uh, they just had a really dark time in their life or they had a gruesome accident and that stuff wears on you. So it's really important to, understand self-care and how as a tattooer uh you're taking on that trauma but you're also transforming it um and it, yeah it is very healing for a lot of people um you know there's been times you can tattoo someone and they might start crying because they're just having they're having a moment and and it's um it's something that you have to remember and as a tattooer you know we're applying something very permanent and very personal on someone. And so, um, you know, one of the quotes that she, she quoted me on that was that even though you may not remember all your clients, they will remember you. And that's something to really think about um, when you're getting into this, you know, like it's, it's not a willy nilly, I'm just going to do this as a hobby <laughs> kind of thing. Like it's a very serious uh, work that we do and you're leaving a very permanent mark on someone and with that comes a lot of responsibility um and i think more people have to to realize that in this kind of work is there anything that you have learned or or focused on as far as your own self-care to be able to better handle that sort of weight uh therapy <laughs> it's yes, great yes. it's a great tool and resource 
um, everyone should have a good therapist. Um, yeah, I had a really good therapist. Um, and also just taking the time and understanding how to say no, it's very important. Um, you know, it's, I think it's one of those jobs too, where people will come to you and they just expect that they can throw money at you and you're going to do it, you know, like, Hey, here's 300 bucks. You have to tattoo me. Like, this is what I want. Um, and sometimes flat out berate you. And so you have to be like, no, like you have to know your boundaries. You also have to know your personal boundaries and it's okay to say no to someone if they're asking for too much and you have to really take breaks with that because I mean, we're dealing with people daily. We're dealing with people very personally, very closely. Um, and it's, it's a lot for both parties sometimes. So it's, it's a lot as a client, it's a lot as a tattooer. And I think both needing to understand uh, where to draw those lines. Sounds like good advice in tattooing and in life, just generally. <laughs> and in life, yeah, just, just across the board. Know your boundaries. Know your boundaries. Know when to say no. I'm gonna go into last call. If there is anything that you want to speak on, if there's anything that you have that we didn't bring up in the conversation that you think is important, this is absolutely a time. If you want to ask me anything, I always like to like open it up both ways. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I think uh, some some big important things is to you know respect your tattooer's time. Understand that it is a job for us. <laughs> it's a job, you know. It's a it's very much a job. So um, understanding that, and also um, know that you can leave if you need to. I think that's a really important thing that a lot of clients feel sometimes that they're stuck in a situation. Um, if you feel at any time uncomfortable in any of your appointments with anyone, um, you don't owe an explanation. None of that. You can just be like, Hey, like I'm uncomfortable. I, I don't want to like, I don't want to go through this tattoo or I don't want to work with you. It's absolutely normal to say that. And, you know, if they get offended, that's on them, but really for your own personal safety, it's very, it's, it's okay to know that you can say that you don't want to go through with something, um, or that you want to reconsider, you want to think about it, you know, don't feel forced. If you want privacy, you are entitled to ask for that. You are entitled to privacy tape, privacy screen, private room, if you need it, anything like that. You should not be forced to take off more clothing than is necessary to complete a tattoo. Um, you should not at all, you know, be touched inappropriately. Your tattooer should always ask for consent, ask if you're okay. Um, these are important things. And if you don't feel like you're getting that, don't go. <laughs> don't feel like you also have to go back to a tattooer after you've had an uncomfortable experience. Um, this is another thing that um, I think doesn't get talked about enough too, is I've been encountered quite a few people who, you know, maybe they started a big body of work with an artist and either ended on a bad note, had a weird experience. And suddenly, because either that tattooer is like well-known in the community or, you know, it's just like a unwritten rule that you, you don't complete other people's work. Um, that's just bullshit to me. Sorry. It's BS. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't be able to get the work that you want um, and get it finished or be able to go to someone else if you just had a bad experience with someone. It's just, it's not fair. It's not fair to the client. Um, but yeah, these are just things that clients should know that they have, they have a lot of power, you know, in their belt. So if they ever feel that they're uncomfortable, you don't want to go through it, 
don't do it. <laughs> Forgot, run to the door. <laughs> don't, don't do it. Don't yes, <laughs> I am really glad that you brought all of that up. I'm really, really glad that you provide a lot of insight from the tattooer perspective, but also things that clients should know. And, and it is something that's on you permanently forever. You should be, you should be comfortable. Yeah, for sure. And it's, especially with tattooing, I mean, it's such a, um, it, it's such a like hidden kind of world in a way, like, you know, you, you see into it and you, you know, I mean, I mean, some of it from shows, which are also really toxic. Uh, please do not go by Ink Master standards, please. <laughs> um, but it's, uh, yeah, there's so many things that people don't know when they get, they go into a tattoo shop, you know, they just assume. So it's like, these are, these are things that, you know, clients should really inform themselves on, you know, research, research your shops, research your tattooers, um, you know, understanding how pricing works and that tattoos should not be cheap. <laughs> so, you know, just all these little things that there's so many things that, um, you know, the average Joe just doesn't, doesn't know about tattooing and hopefully, you know, we can kind of education, uh, educate them more about that stuff too. Tina, I'm going to go into recommendations. I'm going to ask you for a book recommendation, a music recommendation, and a recipe. I will start with a book. Do you have anything for me? Oh, man. Um, okay, so one of my favorite authors is Mary Roach, basically anything by her. Um, I started reading Stiff um, by her, and then I just got into all of her stuff. So if you're into stuff that's kind of like... Uh, nonfiction based is factual and it's just written by just a very curious woman who's really interested in random stuff that gives you like really good snapple facts about things really awesome author to just read about stuff I learned so much from her and it's a, a really fun enjoyable experience excellent I'm excited. Yeah, I love <laughs> I love curious people. So yeah, I'm yeah. happy to She's, read it. It's great. Uh, Stiff is a great one to start because it's all about like the life of cadavers. And she just goes really deep into like all these things that you never knew about. Um, it's just really great. Uh, and for music, um, one of my favorite uh, bands that I discovered not that long ago is uh, Busca Bula, which is a uh, troublemaker in Spanish, um, but they're a Puerto Rican band and they're really, really rad. Really love them and hope they can travel when COVID isn't a thing uh, <laughs> anymore. Man, do I Me miss too. the music venue so much. Oh my mm. God, yes. Okay, so Mary Roach, Buscabula, recipes. Recipes, man, I, I haven't cooked in a while because there's no one to cook for. <laughs> <laughs> I, can't, I can't have company um but uh one thing I, I really love to make is a really good grilled salmon and um making uh, a honey sauce with it so just you know find a really good honey that you like to use as a dressing over a grilled salmon and mwah, chef's kiss good to go <laughs> mm, that sounds delicious oh yeah well, Tina, thank you so very much for joining me. Thank you for this conversation. I learned a ton. It was a pleasure and I appreciate your time. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for having me. It was great. That does it for today's episode. I hope the hangover doesn't hit you too hard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I truly appreciate it. If you have more time to subscribe, comment, or leave a review, that's very helpful for this podcast's success with the algorithm, the omnipotent algorithm. 
feel free to find the pod on Instagram at vulnerability hangover pod or on Twitter at pod hangover. You can listen to this podcast wherever it is you listen to your podcasts. Special thanks to Alan Hirsch and Torin Westfall for original music. The rest is all me, Anthony Rita. Thank you again. And until next time, drink in that vulnerability. Thank you.